Hey, what is up? This is John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. So, if you are looking for a podcast that gives you complete athletic development, cuts through all of the nonsense you see on social media, all the confusion, and gives you the tools to win as the athlete, the parent, the coach, then we are the show for you. So, if you are new to our show, welcome aboard. Uh, we have a few different versions and uh, formats uh, for our show. So uh, we're a little bit different than your standard traditional podcast. So the first type of podcast we usually have uh, is going to be the soup of the day or the soup du jour. Uh, that's your uh, ode to Dumb and Dumber there. Um, that's basically where Chris and I will talk about uh, a couple different topics. Uh, two, three topics, uh, you know, anywhere from training to rehab to performance to uh, nutrition. Uh, we'll break those down for you. Uh, the second type of episode uh, is going to be a, a little bit more of like a Q&A per se. So meaning we will take questions from you guys, the listeners, and we will uh, answer those questions specifically. The third type of episode that we have is going to be uh, more of a guest interview. So if you've listened to any podcast ever, that's pretty much what all the podcasts are, are going to be interviews. And so that's where we're going to bring um, another, you know, badass individual in from our industry. And we're going to talk some shop, um, hear a little bit about how they win, what their systems are, what their techniques are, what they do with their athletes, their clients in the performance or rehab setting. And, uh, you know, and they're going to share their stories. And then the final episode is our Friday Fire episode, and that is where I will get on for about 10 minutes, and I'm just going to speak my mind. So I'm going to rant about who knows what, uh, but if you know me, you know I'll take you down some good rabbit holes. Um, and man, I just I speak my mind, something that I feel like it maybe is a hot button issue that needs to be addressed, um, and those are going to be your Friday Fire episodes. And so uh, there is a fee for the show, guys. Remember, uh, you know, we do this for free. We don't, uh, we don't charge anything. We don't run ads. We don't do anything like that. We do this uh, to get the information out to y'all. You know, we are all about you guys winning and getting this information to the community and bringing our network across the world together to help spread the message of how we can help improve lives and improve the quality of our lives and communities. And ultimately, that's what it's all about, man. Um, and so share the show, guys, please. Remember that. Um, so, as always, uh, I'm here with uh, my co-host, uh, Chris Scarborough. Chris, uh, how you doing today, man? Great, great. How you guys doing? Yep. We're good, we're good. And uh, we're going to uh, bring our guest on. So today is a guest interview, and we are pleased to welcome Mr. Sean Sherman from Square One. Sean, how are you, man? I'm doing very well. Appreciate being on the show, guys. Absolutely. Heck me. yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so, uh, Chris, I mean... I learned about Square, uh, Square One. Sorry, Sean, I made that mistake last time. Square is the credit card no processing company. Yeah. So I learned. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Chris introduced me to Square One. Uh, I don't know, man. What, probably two years ago, or a year or two? Ago? I don't yeah, even I remember. Um, yeah, you know, Chris, I know you use it a lot. Um, I know Sean, like you're blown up. I see you everywhere. Um, I, I've heard great things. I mean, I know Dan Victor's involved in it. And, um, so I, I mean, Chris, like why uh, you and Sean, just, I mean, how'd y'all connect? How'd that, you know, happen? And, and let's just kind of, kind of open the door here, man. Let's see where it goes. Well, uh, I was talking with, uh, Dan, um, I, well, probably right before I talked with you, John, and that was, uh, you know, I've always kind of respected his opinion and he's like, Hey, Chris, you got to go check this out. You know, I, as you know, John, I ruptured my Achilles tendon nine years ago, and uh, he was giving me a suggestion as to some system that might be able to help recover, you know, get mm -hmm. some of the strength back and what have you. Yeah, because, I mean, even, like, even you went through everything. Like, you went through, I mean, normal PT. You went through a lot of the special stuff, you know, like special stem and all that, and you still had trouble right. with it, I remember. Right, right. Yeah. And so uh, that was one of his suggestions, and um, – I'm very happy to say that we're about to go try that out here in a, in a couple of months uh, in Birmingham. So, <laughs> or, yeah. Anyway, by the way, I did yeah. do, I did do the online course, and uh, I was able to use it on some of my clients, but I've had no one use it on me yet. So that's what I'm looking forward right. to. So yeah. Cool. Okay, so. So, Sean, I mean, tell, tell us a little bit about, like, tell the listeners, and honestly, tell me, too. You know, I briefly sure. spoke before the show, learned a little bit, but, you know, t tell everybody how you got started and kind of, let's give us, 
you know, just a, a bird's eye view of what this system is all about? Yeah, so it's um, that's a that's a loaded question. There's a lot of history here, but uh, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I'll, I'll give you the briefest version. I uh, I got involved in in the neuro world, if you can call it, about 20 years ago when I learned muscle activation techniques out in Denver. That was back in 2002. Uh, ended up helping a lot of people with that system. Ended up working with the Chicago Cubs for I believe it was six years. So that was kind of my intro into the neuro world. And uh, I ended up having this one client that just wasn't getting great success with the MAT stuff. So what I did is, um, you know, you know spare you all the details, but I ended up doing the polar opposite of everything I'd ever learned. So instead of viewing uh, restrictions and range of motion. I know the I, feeling. I've been there and done that, yeah. <laughs> right? So I think a lot of people who find the neuro stuff, that's it, because they're, like, frustrated. Yeah. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. Yep. So what I did is I wasn't trying to come up with anything. I wasn't, you know, trying to develop my own, own system or anything like that. I was just desperately trying to help this one guy who was a good dude, and I wasn't helping him. And uh, so I, whenever I, um, you know, instead of looking at protective muscle guarding as being the only uh, source behind restriction range of motion, I'm like, I'm not going to make any judgments. I'm going to just, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to do the opposite of what everybody taught me to do. So if I, if there was restriction in hip flexion, as an example, instead of thinking, oh, look, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's active insufficiency of, of the, the agonist instead of looking at the psoas and the rectus femoris and the tfl and all the, the hip flexors um i'm like well maybe it's the opposite so what i did with this guy is i put him on his um you know this this client named alan if you put him on his belly i would say he was like a, like a turtle on his back like he couldn't lift his head off the ground he couldn't lift his arms off the ground he was pretty much stuck on a, in a prone position so what i did is instead of trying to open up into you know that posterior chain and open him up into extension because i already tried doing that with him for a number of sessions I decided to feed the opposite, so we kind of fed the anterior chain, and we just did a bunch of isometrics up and down the anterior chain. Next day, he calls me. All his pain's gone. Uh, he tells me he's two or three inches taller, and he took 11 or 12 strokes up the best round of golf he's ever shot. And I'm like, bull crap. Like, no way. I, so I didn't believe him when he first told me all this. So that was kind of the happy accident that started this thing. So then what I really wanted to do to learn was, you know, that kind of took me back. I'm like, holy crap, man. Like, that what do I do with this information? Because I have no idea what just happened, but it really, that was like the best success I've ever seen. So what I did is I kind of circled the wagons and I was just really honest with myself. Like, what do I really know? And what skills do I actually have? You know, so I got a four-year degree in exercise and sports science, but that doesn't mean anything in the real world with a person has a heartbeat, man. So if you don't have skills and don't have the ability to solve a problem, you're kind of screwed in the, in the, in the private sector. So what I realized is the only skill I had in this industry was this neural response testing that I learned from MAT. So what I did is I took that and I used it uh, to ask the body yes, no based questions. So what I really want to know is when the foot hits the ground, what happens? Cause that Penn state didn't teach that to me in MAT. They didn't teach that to me. I'm Googling it. I'm like, I just want to know like at a real basic level when the foot hits the ground, what happens at the knee? What happens at the low back? What happens in the neck? And I couldn't, couldn't find those answers so I, I basically started viewing every one of my customers as, as a lab rat and I would literally just imitate and mimic ground reaction forces at every joint in the body in three planes of movement in both directions and I'm like I'm not gonna go in with any judgment I'm just gonna be like a you know, blank piece of paper and I'm just here to observe and I start documenting all this stuff and lo and behold I basically uncovered these neuromechanical maps that, that undergird locomotion and, and their squat patterns. So those are our two most rudimentary mature patterns. So that's, I tried to make that short for you guys, and that, that's my version of short, I guess. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, okay. Um, no, no. So I guess what is, what's kind of the underlying theme behind square one so yeah we you know we know at least you know the three of us know okay you know we're looking for you know a perception of threat or, or your neuro dysregulation but like what is the underall theme of it is it all back to ground reaction forces so there's something going on like you know in the joint what what is it it, it? it started that way and that would be the original version of square one which is our proprioceptive version but we also have a vestibular and a visual piece so i really think it comes down to is uh when there's um when those three senses, and those are the three senses that that our brain uses to create posture. So, so I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you right there for yeah. just a second, just for like for anybody who's not like who doesn't know what those are. Like, yep. a you need, especially for our athletes, if you're listening, is go Google. Okay, you have 
unlimited information Google, but you basically have the proprioceptive, you got the visual, you've got the vestibular. Vestibular is going to be that inner ear, that balance component. Visual, obviously your visual. Proprioceptive is going to be a little bit more your feel, things like that, okay? And so these systems are always kind of working back and forth, right? Correct, so, exactly. And so yeah. the, when they integrate, they, you know, high quality inputs coming from those three systems, when they integrate well and they're synced up well, there's going to be good expressions. So then it really comes down to is, you know, garbage in equals garbage out. So I don't know what the opposite of that is, but I think that's what we have with square one is that we are finding where there's like an interruption in these input signals that are, you know, basically the sensory input from our eyes and from our receptors in our, in our joints and from our vestibular system, those semicircular canals inside of our head. And so when there's a lack of input coming from one of those areas, it disrupts homeostasis. And now, now you have these different systems are borrowing and lending resources back and forth. There's inefficiency and, and movement quality is going to suffer. So that's going to be less athleticism, more pain, and everything in between. Okay, so you're definitely looking at it from those three systems and then how that impacts the body. So um, I, I know, Chris, I know when you, you came up here and you were showing me a little bit of it, um, how much did you do, Chris? I think you said, but I forgot. What, what I, all have you done? All I did was the, uh, the online course. That's all I've done so far. Okay. And, um, Okay. That's the original, that's the proprioceptive version. That's all we had until about a year and a half ago. Okay. That last year and a half is when we kind of came up with this vestibular and vision piece as well. Okay. So, all right. So, in summary here, I guess in the very, very broad view, you know, you're evaluating how those three systems are interacting, how they're communicating, and, and their impact ultimately on, you know, muscles function. Now, are you looking at it more from a muscular, like the firing capacity of it, the strength of it? Like, what, what are you looking at or any of the above? I'd say more of any of the above. So we don't even have like, hey, here's our set parameters we're looking at. So when I was developing it, you know, in order to keep myself honest and like hold my feet to the flame, I'm like, I'm not even going to check any outcomes because I'm seeing these really cool things. But in order to make sure that I wasn't convincing myself that I came up with something really cool, I literally withheld doing any kind of metric evaluation type stuff because I was just waiting to hear the reports from our clients. And it was like overwhelmingly like, I don't even know what you're doing to me, dude, but I feel amazing. I feel the ground better. I'm setting PRs in a gym. So what we can really, it changes everything from, you know, we've been looking a lot at lately is uh, not only balance, but also visual acuity, like a, like an eye chart you would use at, at an optometrist appointment. We're also looking at peripheral vision. We've seen reaction times change. We've seen, we've seen um, D1 and pro hitters like baseball uh, put on 12, 13 uh, miles an hour on their exit velos. We've had pro athletes jump four inches higher. We've had people who've had strokes that are in walkers in two sessions. They don't use a walker anymore. So really from pro athlete to, you know, someone in kind of, a, you know, in the whole neurologically, we've seen this stuff help everybody. So I would say, yeah, man, it has a potential to change almost any kind of like physical expression that you can bring up. So do you look at, are you looking at it more from like a, I don't want to say compensation standpoint. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. so obviously, so I look at a visual, so it's going to be, you know, a down regulation of something or it, so let's just hypothetically say like we're looking at the visual side of it and you know just my right eye is weak so to speak like are you looking at it from that standpoint or are you looking are you going deeper and saying okay maybe maybe my nervous system's compensating that visual field because of you know a, a vestibular problem or what whatever like yeah, you hear from that does that make sense yeah i think it's more of the latter in that we're not looking at, oh, is it this, this is weak and it's like a graded, like it's pretty good or okay. We're looking purely at uh, the binary design of the human body because if you really boil human movement, and, and obviously human movement is super complicated, but if you really boil it down, it, everything's binary about movement. It, like you can either succumb to gravity, we call that pronation, or you can overcome gravity. So we look at that through the lens of proprioception, visual, and vestibular, and how we would do that, you know, you brought the example of vision, we're looking at when this person literally looks up, what impact does that have on a nervous system versus when they look down? So we're looking at up versus down and a comparison between the two. And then we're looking at eyes right versus eyes left and we're looking at a comparison. And you said earlier too about fight or flight, you know, you know, threat versus safe. We're looking at which of those eyes right, left, up, down, which ones are helping the person get organized because those inputs are safe and which is causing further disorganization. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know Dan's talked about that, you know, a good bit too. I think, um, I, don't know, I think Dan and I had a conversation about it, um, or did a podcast. I, I don't remember, um, or a webinar. But yeah, like looking up and down and the activation of the flexors and extensors. How much? How much are you putting on? Almost like a uh, 
like a lifestyle choice and how much that impacts them. So, you know, let's say like a, uh, you know, a, a, you could use the example of just our society and people constantly looking down. And if that's inhibiting or act overactivating an area or like a baseball player, like a, you know, right-handed, you know, hitter constantly looking out, you know, that left side, like how much does overuse, so to speak, play a role in some of this, you know, activation or dysfunction? I would say, I'm going to just guess that it has a huge role in it, but I'm not even looking to try to assess that. So I guess it's like a lot of people in our industry are trying to say, oh, you should do this and change this behavior. And I'm like, that's all fine. That's not my area. My area is right now there's disorganization. And if we can restore that right now, I'm just trusting that the outcomes are going to be better. We're going to raise their neural resiliency so that everything they do, they can handle. So I want to get it where I don't care if you're looking down at your phone 20 hours a day. If that's what you need to do or that's what you're choosing to do, my job is to prepare your nervous system to be able to tolerate that. So I'm trying to make it where every one of my clients' nervous system doesn't freak out because they did too much of this or that. So I don't look at things as being good or bad. I look at it everything as a potential challenge, and my job is just to raise that integrity of the nervous system so they can do whatever they need to do. Because the demands of a, someone sitting behind a desk is totally different than like you know an NFL quarterback. But at the end of the yeah. day, it doesn't matter because it still comes down to this person is either organized or disorganized, up, down, right, left. So what I'm going to try to do is restore them and just make it where they can just handle whatever they need to be able to handle. So, yeah, so I'm sure it has a big role, like, you know, your lifestyle choices. But in my mind, that's already been done. Like, I, I, you know, we could coach them on how they should make better choices, but I kind of don't care. My job is to put Humpty Dumpty back together again and put you know, better better glue and get them more resilient. And then we keep, you know, raising his, his, his ability to tolerate more and more stress. All right, I've, I've got a follow-up question on that. So let's just say that I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, and I realize these are hypothetical examples, but I want to kind of give a hypothetical. Sure. So let's just say that you have an athlete, and you know they every time they look to the left, you know they just move their eyes to the left, mm-hmm. they lose their balance yep. or what what have you. I mean, give us a real-world example. Okay, we got a football player. Um, how would that? negatively impact them and then how would fixing that potentially help them that's a, if that's a if that makes sense sure it does make sense yeah i think it's uh how i think that would negatively impact them in life or on the field is obviously if looking left is like kind of that weak spot or whatever they will have to orient their body in order to avoid eyes going left so they might have to turn their head left when it needs to go right so they're gonna they're gonna compensate is what's gonna happen and compensation rides uh, uh, rids us or erodes our uh, movement efficiency and that rids us of uh, or erodes our athleticism so how i would deal with that is i would create different contexts of eyes left so i want to have them land on their back give them the safest environment have them look left and if that's triggering them i don't need to have them stand on one foot and throwing different objects at them i don't need to take them to crazy town just yet so i want to get it where we can restore that that where they're safe laying down safe sitting safe standing safe one foot in front of the other switch feet now make it more dynamic have them walk so i I would start at the most basic uh i guess orientations or environments with that eyes left piece knowing that that's their issue and i'm gonna try to build resilience in these different environments different contexts what type of parameters are you using to make sure that you're not overstimulating them or that their nervous system doesn't go insane um i would say nothing I, i don't have i don't have any kind of way to assess that i would say that that hasn't happened yet. I've done thousands of sessions, and I think the reason behind that is, um, it's. I feel like we got a laser pointer. I think we have a real pinpoint thing here in that when I, if I have assessed somebody and their eyes, their eyes go left and it's a fail, like the the, the response test fails, and eyes right are nice and uh, you know organized, I leave that eyes left piece alone. So I'm. What, now what, what, I'm going to interrupt you there. What is your sure. what is your response test going to be? Or, uh, or so, you know, give or take. Sure. The, the, the correct term would be a proprio neural response muscle testing. So it's the okay. same style of testing that came out of applied kinesiology, clinical kinesiology. And we Got use it. it probably similarly to the kinesiologist. Okay, so you are using muscle testing still. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, that's where I got confused because my only my only background of square one was what awesome. Chris showed me a while back. You know, with the um, you know was uh, the proprioceptive side of it, and like I said, you know, we talked before the show. Like we do, we do a ton of muscle testing here. It's a big yeah. part of what we do. So yeah, when I got confused, I and guess in the beginning. Okay, so you still use not, it. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we're not looking at like which muscle fails. I don't care what muscle test we use. So to me. A psoas is the same as an upper trap, is the same as a popliteus test. I'm merely using it as a way to detect change. 
That's it. So it's not like, oh, this Poplidius is failing, so that means you can't turn in, and that's going to affect the hip internal rotators. I know all that stuff is real, but that's not our view. So we're really looking for a failed test out of the gate, and then I want to find out what helps them become more organized. So if I have them, all right, I find a, like an upper trap test, for example. Say it fails. I'll have them, okay, keep the head still. I want you to look left with your eyes. And if that test still fails, I'm like, okay, no big deal. Have your eyes go to the right and it gets strong. That tells us, okay, looking right helps this person to become more organized. So then what I would do is I would look at all, if I'm looking at proprioception, I'm looking at all the other you know, 100 plus joint actions that are related to eyes to the right. So what so we're doing is imitating or mimicking ground reaction forces at the joint action level in that restorative pattern. So because of that, I don't think we're stressing a person's body out at all. It literally has this alleviating response. Like it's, it's crazy. When I first started developing this, as I was just going through the assessment, people were like, I'm already feeling better. I'm like, well, that's impossible because we really haven't intervened yet. But I think what it was is just by kind of encouraging towards that organizing phase, it was already taking stress off that nervous system. So we don't do anything to monitor like what's too much. I suppose if, you know, if I had someone had like a you know, recent head trauma issue, and they start getting nauseous, I'm not gonna you know, put my foot in the accelerator either. But we, we really haven't had, I mean, I'm gonna say virtually no people like getting like kind of like a hyper excited nervous system where they're vomiting or passing out or any of that. That just hasn't happened with square one. Okay. I hope that Chris? answers your question. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, this is one thing that I did take away and that is you know, you're talking about, you're saying you know, moving eyes right might you know might turn things on well that you could take any joint in the gait cycle mm -hmm. that would also yes. go along with right yes. vision <laughs> anything yes it would would reorganize and we should, yes you get the same, same response. response yep so it should, it should have the same, exactly so like so yeah great so chris if, if you go eyes right well if we just go down a level to the to the neck that's the neck right. turning to the left. So if I'm looking at you guys and I turn my head to the left, well, the net effect in order to keep looking at the camera, my eyes are now having to turn right. So eyes right is head left, neck left is T-spine right, lumbar left, pelvis right, right leg internal rotation, right shin internal rotation, the heel everting, the arch collapsing, the toes flexing. So those are all equal parts and parcel part of that, what we call right, right. step. And the same for right. so that's left. So all these pieces, that, which, which is really amazing. And once I think once I figured that part out, oh, that was nuts. the, I was like, oh, okay, now I got yeah. it. You know, now, now I understand the concept, yep. even if I, you know, I'm very slow in the practice. So it's, um, yeah. And it, yeah. And it's, a, uh, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's, uh, it's weird to me every time I use it on something like this is, I'm, like, am I, am I imagining all this stuff? Cause you see these very reliable responses. Like once you, once you start mapping things out, it's like, I always tell my students like the, the system teaches you because you should be finding if someone's you know lacking balance you have that person who's not the perfect individual which we haven't met him or her yet but we're, we're really expecting there to be you know a preference for going right versus left up versus down so if you feed the pattern or imitate ground reaction forces that are in any joint action that's consistent with that disorganizing phase it, it really is negative 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 but if you go after that organizing phase, it's all good stuff. You got to find that one outlier. Just find out why. Why is the body choosing to compensate and and disorganize by going left? The problem has to be with going right. So we just got to find that joint action that is presently perceiving ground forces as a threat, and then neutralize that threat through an isometric contraction. Well, all right. So, uh, so let, let's okay. take that. Um, I, I want to. I, I like to say examples because we deal in the in the world where people really do have knee injuries, or they really do have ankle injuries, or they really do have wrist injuries, or whatever. Let's so right. let's 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 think of a of an, a case example. Let's just say an ACL. Okay, somebody tore an ACL. Very common, okay. uh, pretty significant injury. Usually requires surgery. Um, how would square one help the person who's already torn their ACL how might it prevent someone who's had say a history of of maybe they've already had two ACL surgeries and they're and we know they're at risk for doing it again I mean what you know like I said I'm trying to st stick with a you know like a as best of a real world example that I can think of sure all right so two questions one's how would we help a person who already has an ACL you know damaged ACL <laughs> In other words, how would we help somebody prevent it you know, from having a second or third right. or, 
whatever. Okay, so I look at every every movement problem is it, there's structure and function involved. But the problem is most people in the industry, you know, they're, it's all structural. It's everything structure, structure, structure. Uh, and I know you guys and, you know, probably a lot of your audience, it's like more neuro-based. So I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. So my, my, my thought on that is, you know, anytime there's an issue, whether it's, you know, an ache, a pain, it's an injury, a tissue damage, obviously there's going to be some structural damage, but there's an associated functional issue. So if we can, like, upgrade and, you know, raise the level of the nervous system, well, that's going to do a really good thing to the body and that it's going to feel a little safer in that, in, that, in that knee, you know. So what we want to do is create different environments to challenge that knee. And at first, if it's a fresh injury, it might literally be dudes laying on his back and just living in his body. And then it might be like, okay, now try to straighten your knee a little bit. And then we check him. Bend your knee a little bit. Let's check him. Internally rotate. Externally rotate. So we just start building up from the bottom and find out what can this guy tolerate. So when we find something that doesn't tolerate, then we intervene with square one, restore function, and then we challenge him with that same activity. So all we're doing is like, okay, we're down here at the first floor, and I'm trying to get in the second floor, and the third floor, fourth floor. So I'm just upgrading or increasing the challenge that, that they can handle. And when you're checking that, that nervous system all the time, it'll tell you exactly what they can and can't handle, so mm -hmm. you're never overdoing it. Um, so I would think we just want to raise the neural integrity, provide that you know, more, I don't know, like a healing environment internally so they can expedite the healing process to, to accompany whatever they want to do, you know, whether it's surgery or they want to do traditional physical therapy, fine. But we want to make sure that that nervous system piece is there. And I, I think what we're really dealing with, you know, is perception. So if we can get their brain, their subconscious to not perceive the ground as a threat when you stand up, like that's, that's kind of good because you're going to stand up, you're going to walk because every time you stand up and it's perceived right. as a threat, well, that, that's a problem. So you're really fueling compensation. So people are like, well, it doesn't hurt when I stand up. Like, well, if you're waiting for pain to inform your decision making, you're you're like way behind the eight ball. I mean, you're, you're so you're yeah, yeah you're way you're too late hard. at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. And then as far as prevention, it's like the same thing. It's like what I do if I have, whether it's athletes or just grandma down the street with back pain. All I'm trying to do is initially I'm trying to get it where they don't perceive you know subconsciously any of their activities of daily living as a threat. So I'm getting in and out of chairs, up and down steps, reaching in the cupboards, looking under the couch, whatever. So I'm just doing real basic patterns on everybody, pro athlete to grandma. And then usually late in the first session, somewhere in the second session, then I start customizing. Okay, what's this person really need to be able to do? So if I have like a, like a female soccer player in high school, because that's what everybody's worried about these ACLs, I'm going to put her in situations that are going to occur the, on the pitch. So it might start off statically standing on one foot, and actually make her knee dive in, and can she can she handle that? Have it dive out, have her go into further knee flexion, have her go into extension, add head position movements to it. So we wanna recreate as many real world scenarios as possible and find out which ones are problematic for her nervous system and then neutralize that as a threat. So we start easy and then we just kinda of keep ramping up through. So it's the same process whether someone already has an ACL tear or they're trying to prevent it. To me, all I'm trying to do is find out what is kinda of, you know, breaking their software put it back together, increase that resilience, and do it again, and do it again. So we're not trying to fix it through repetition. We're fixing it through drawing out these layers of compensation and then give the specific input that it needs to not need to compensate as much, and then we draw another one out with challenge. So it's challenge, reset, challenge, reset, right. challenge, reset. Okay, yeah. Now I've got, I mean, I've got, I got a whole list of questions here, but some of them you know, may not be, may not be good for this episode, because uh, they're pretty in-depth, but... I guess one of the questions I know at least that I inevitably get asked all the time is, okay, why is, why is something shut down? Why is this, you know, perception of threat here? Why? And I just like to hear, you know, your take on that. So you talk about like, you know, the softball player, like, okay, staying on one leg should be a basic human movement. Okay. Like, it should be, but like, ultimately, why do you, why do you feel and what do you see? You know, these, why does the body shut down like that? I'd just say general, the answer is stress and stress. Most people hear that and they're thinking mental or emotional. Yeah. To me, you know, stress can be defined as any any uh, stimulation that the nervous system perceives as a threat. So any any stimulation that takes a system out of balance, that's a stress. So you know, I, I can't possibly interview somebody and find out, hey, were you uh, 13 days old or 18 days old when you fell <laughs> to your crib? You know what I mean? Like all these different life yeah. events have already happened. So my thing is, I don't even bother trying to figure all that stuff out. So I, I it's funny as I always tell people, I'm meeting you today. And we're going to clear out, you know, the whole proverbial layer of an onion. We're going to clear out that most superficial or most recent layer. We're going to clear it out. 
I'm gonna go a little deeper and deeper and deeper. So maybe in three or four or five sessions, I could probably recreate your history. But that person telling me, you know, oh, I did this or I did that, I kind of don't care. All I want to know is if we're doing anything that actually irritates, because I tell all my clients, I don't have x-ray or MRI eyeballs, so let's be conservative if there's aches and pains. But all I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge them, break them. I don't even bother trying to figure out, oh, the why in their history. I'm looking for the why right now. Why does your brain feel it needs to compensate? That's the why that I care about. So I try to be really more in the moment, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. I just I know people... I know I see people, you know, especially I have to see them, you know, a handful of times. You know, they're, they're usually asking me, okay, well, why does this keep shutting down? You know, so just thought your, 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 your input on that was important. Um, what, what, uh, what role, what role or any, and actually let me, let me preface in saying, and we'll get back to some real world examples because I do think that's very beneficial. But me kind of being the neuro geek that I am, you know, my brain naturally goes this way. Is so for anybody listening, I'm asking about primitive reflexes. And for those who don't know what primitive reflexes are, like primitive reflexes are reflexes that you know we're basically innately given, you know, innately born with, and they're designed to protect us, you know, throughout the you know, usually the first two years of life ish, give or take. These reflexes, as they fully ingrain, they lead way to like your deep tendon reflexes and more advanced reflexes. They kind of work as like a symphony, but sometimes the body will like we they don't develop, and so you may have a reflex that is just. Maybe it was, uh, you know, I, I don't know, the spinal glant reflex didn't develop at an early age and your nervous system gets stuck and compensates somehow. So, you know, they eventually have to go away. How much of a, of a role or do primitive reflexes play in square <laughs> one? Square one uh, in order. <laughs> damn, damn, dude, I did it again. <laughs> Sorry. So this square one used to be called reset. My clients still call it reset. I'm like, dude, that was like seven years ago we changed the name. <laughs> you're, you're, you're one of about 100 people who misname this numerous. It's okay. Um, as far as primitive reflexes, it's like um, I would say that it doesn't directly play into anything that I'm doing. And I, and I recognize that it's a real thing. But what's really cool with square one is I look at it. It's a framework. And I look at primitive reflexes or doing a bench press or – harboring certain thoughts those are all inputs in the system so we will sometimes check those things so i'll sometimes get people you know in crawling patterns and things like that if i want to take it there but you don't have to and without without taking it into the neurodevelopment patterns it wasn't stopping us for the first decade getting great results so therefore i would say you know if i say it's not important i'm gonna like you know, upset and piss off half your audience or something. So it's not what I mean that it's not important. Not that I, I piss them off all the time, so you're fine. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so when I say it's not important, I would say I would say my absolute ignorance of the primitive reflexes, and I, I, even now, I'm if this is ignorance. I'm a little bit above ignorance at this point, so I don't really know those intimately. So just you know, full disclosure. Um, so my my ignorance of those primitive reflexes hasn't stopped me from helping you know 95% of our clients like get out of pain, jump higher, or whatever they're looking for. Yeah. I think it's important, but I think by the time you're six, seven, eight years old, you're, you're a mature mover now. So at that point, it really comes down to is what are the base patterns for a mature mover? And to me, it's get upright and then locomotion. So those primitive reflexes were there to as, you, as we were developing and getting strength in order to get us from you know, on our backs to on our belly, you know, roll over and then up into our knees and then do a tall kneel and then into, okay, now we're standing. But at that point, the, you know, it's, it's what's done is done. So, I mean, I suppose if you had someone who had real, like some neurological deficits, like some crazy disease, that might present a problem that we'd have to delve into it. But I find that mm -hmm. I don't really have to get into that in order to help a person. And, and everyone I'm working with, I don't know. Cool. My one son, I worked with him when he was three. He, he was old enough I could actually do muscle testing on him. My other kids, they're like seven, eight, nine before they could actually, you know, follow the directions and hold their leg there. So most of my clients, I mean, I rarely have someone in that seven to twelve age group, but I'd say about seven or eight is kind of the low end of who we tend to work with. Okay, cool. That you you've hit on crawling a few times, and so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you to do me a solid and tell me why you like crawling because I know my my athletes hate it. <laughs> yeah, I you know, and like what I just I just do it as a trigger. My thing is like yeah. it's like if I'm if say I'm doing something like hey I want when I, if we notice that when their head's back and their eyes are going right and it's just like a problem for them so we've ascertained that whatever we've figured that out so I'm like all right I'll have them do that while they're standing and it's like and it just keeps triggering I'm like all right let's let's regress this a little bit let's have them sit and it's still crushing them right so then it's like all right let's get them on their belly so then I, I'm all I'm trying to do is get them back to the ground like you were as a baby and I'm trying to find like okay where can we 
or I get a solid base. So sometimes I'll regress things to a crawl or sit or whatever down on the ground, and then I get a, then I kind of kind of regress it, get them solid, then I work my way back up. So I don't have an affinity. There's very few patterns, and I'm like, oh, we have to do this. I, other than get up and down, I think squatting. So really, you know, want a simple basic workout: jump as high as you can and run as fast as you can. That that would be the the catch-all training program to me, because that's what mature movers. That's what we need. That would be the the extreme end of athleticism for us mature movers. So, yeah. So I don't I don't love or hate crawling. I hate doing it myself. But I don't I don't look at exercise as a way to correct patterns. I just look at exercise and these different patterns as a way to provoke the nervous system. So my job isn't to, you know, hey, let's let's repetitively do this exercise over and over again. My job is to find out which patterns suck for them or what they're perceiving as a threat, neutralize it, neutralize it. So I'm just looking for everything I can so that anything that they do when I turn my back on them, I've already prepared their body for. So, sorry, man. No, it's all good. Real simple no, no, oh, yeah. oh, man, I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Chris, Chris, you got another no, question? I mean, it looks like you had a question, man. No, it, it, I mean, you're kind of going in the direction I was interested in, and that is, you know, like I said, the you, you were mentioning you were going to give some other, you know, more real-world examples. Um, but, you know, uh, John, I want you to finish with yours first since yours is more on the theoretical. Yeah. And uh, you're the – Oh, well, I mean, shoot, I, I mean, I keep going. I got I got a whole sheet of, of things I want to ask you, but, you know, I think we'll just – I may save some of that for a follow-up podcast or maybe even off-air we can dig into that, um, some of the really, really geeky stuff. Um, but I guess, you know, I want to – you know, you mentioned the three planes of motion. You know, I, I would I would argue with you on that one personally. I'm not a firm believer in the three planes of motion. That goes against conventional theory for the most part, but I feel like the body moves – in different in a different manner so like i don't believe there's a fully linear pattern or sagittal oh, or anything yeah. like, i mean like yeah, there is this full you. like gyro flow of everything moving all at once kind of you know the, yeah, the go to the david weck type deal you know we're probably not at odds actually so to me it's just uh those cardinal planes is like a reference point just names i got you yeah so as far as like how a person moves yeah, it's mm-hmm. not like we move like robot here. We go front sagittal and then we do right. A, yeah, because I mean, because so many things are yeah. based that way. I mean, so yeah. many training or rehab. It's like that is not how the body works. Like right. the cu- couple motion, couple motion theory of the spine. Like I mean, my my god, that people some people find that it's just a super complex concept. It's like no, couple motion is very basic and like that should be known by every anyone in remotely in our field. I mean, there's two movements with everything. So, anyways, that was kind of. Yeah. made me it made me think about something but uh, you know the other side is i guess and going into the practical side you know as we get close to wrapping this up is i guess the question two two questions in one one is do you see certain like common patterns so like a vi- you know visual dysfunction kind of tends to lead to a or vestibular kind of leads to this or appropriate set of beliefs to this but then also like applying that to real life examples and how we can you know how we can improve our clients and athletes outcomes with them yeah i said i mean i I guess i see the same patterns all the time because i'm only looking at four phases of movement i'm looking at you know sit all the joints collapsing with gravity versus up or you know stand and then i'm looking at going right versus going left so i'm only looking at those four and to me those are like like lego pieces it's almost like you know, maybe right's a two-pronger and left is a four-pronger and that's a six if you go up and going down is like an eight-pronger. And if you had an unlimited reservoir of twos and fours and six and eight little, I don't know if prongs is the right word for, for Lego pieces. I think you know what I'm talking about. But if you had enough of those they, pieces. They feel like spikes when you step on them, so I don't know. Like, yeah, some sensory input to the bottom of the floor. Yeah. But, um, but I think if you had enough of those, to me, that is that is the language. So to me, it's like you can build patterns out of, it, like, you know, maybe if I'm doing a jump shot, that might be like, you know, I'm a right-hander. That might be like, you know, 47 units of going left and, and 13 units of going right. It's, it's a weird combination of up and down and right and left. So I, I think I look at, you know, visibly I'm watching movement different than most other people in our industry. I'm not actually visibly inspecting a person to watch how they walk. And, and, and if I do, it, if it's really egregious, I'll say, hey, hold on. And then I get my iPhone and I film how ugly it is because yeah. I'm like, once we get the restoration to these basic pieces, yeah. we come back <laughs> and then we film it again. So I don't use that to solve the problem ever. I only use it to document the change. So I, I kind of I think it's a fool's game for most of us is to like, oh, look, that knee dives in. And then you start building a whole story around that. That is such a fool's right. game. 
because I could build you a million different stories that would describe why the knee dives in. And good luck picking the accurate one for this person. So I think a lot of times in our industry, people confuse logical with accuracy. And I think it's bull crap. There's, there's millions of logical stories. And so, yeah, so I, I, I kind of don't, I guess I don't play that game. So I'm more looking at all I care about is I want there to be no preference for the nervous system between up versus down so the brain can freely choose to go either direction. And I want there to be no preference right versus left. So again, they can freely choose. And then I just use movement as, as a way to kind of you know, poke the bear a little bit, try to challenge them and find out what actually sets them off. And um, yeah, so I don't, I, again, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but uh, I, guess, I think yeah. I should look at movement differently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I do believe, you know, kind of what you said, you know, there's um, you used a, a perfect example of something that gets attacked all the time. And that is, you know, that <laughs> that knee tracking inward or, you know, the in, you know, the internal rotation, the hip when someone stands. I was like, yeah, I can't begin to tell you how many times that's right. been blamed on you know various problems in the knee. And and sometimes it might be, but right. <laughs> there's a lot of times where it doesn't, you know, <laughs> right. 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a, I say it's always a reference point. Like, I went, I went to the chiropractor. Guess what he told me? Like, uh, you have a functional... Let me guess, one leg like shorter than the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Functional every yep. time. Like, yeah, no kidding. You're welcome to the party. We all do. Like, there's none of yeah. that are perfect. That has nothing to do with sympathetic, parasympathetic balance and loss of, you know, parasympathetic inhibitory tone. Right. Nothing. No, no, not at all. Your, your one leg's literally longer. Like, come on. Yeah, so, always. I'm not, and I'm not saying it's not, I'm not even arguing. Like, that's like saying, like, hey, you know what? You know what's outside? Air. No kidding. I, wow, thanks for the information. Yeah. Like, that tells you nothing of value, right? So, yeah, so I get, I get, I get it, like, uh, fired up with this yeah. stuff because it's, I hear the same It's like the same people that are repeating all these myths over and over and over again. Like, okay. That's great. So you're, you're spending a half hour, like one leg's longer. You're doing all these assessments. Who freaking cares? What are you doing to help the person? So like, it's like it's almost like it looks sciencey because it looks like oh, I got my clipboard out. Here's a number for you. But like, at the end of the day, all that person cares about can you help me? And like telling them that their right leg's longer, how's that helping anybody? How's that actually help the practitioner solve the yeah. problem? Like it's like you ever like I, sometimes when my back will get jacked up, my my pelvis will be hiked up. And I remember early on, I'd go see a chiro, and I, I generally like, generally like chiropractic. So I, I don't, whatever, I don't care. There's great ones, sure. and there's horrible ones, like any other profession. But it's like, I remember I went to a guy one time. I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm like leaned over to the right. Like it's like I'm just jammed up there. He's like, you should try going the other way. I'm like, that's why I came to give you money. You think I didn't think about that before I scheduled with you? Like, I've, been, I've been stretching this and trying to do hike hiking the other side for like ten days, dude. That that's not working. So. Duh! Like, how about can you go? Can you go like a layer deeper? And they just couldn't. So yeah, so my yeah. I've had that. I've had that once yeah. in 16 years. I've actually had it one time. One where we we have some way. we have some he- great healthcare providers we, we work with. They're they're open minded. They they believe it. They love us. We love them. They're awesome. I had a girl who like had a reoccurring hamstring issue. I'm like, look, I I cannot figure out this. I've we've done everything. She's seen people before me. Whatever. So I sent her to our healthcare provider. She's like, I think one leg's shorter. I'm like, no, no. She did the x-ray. It's it like, it uh-huh, yeah, it actually, it legitimately is. And I'm like, oh, shoot, okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, all right, so there we go. Okay, we got one time. And so, then you have those structural, those, 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 I mean, none of us have perfect symmetrical you know, structure right versus left. So it really no. comes down to can your nervous system handle different environments you put your skeleton in as you're going right, left, up, down. So the whole deal is like what can your nervous system handle, whether, you know, yeah, one collarbone higher than the other. Like, okay, it is what it is. But if we can get your nervous system handling things right, whatever function we can restore, it's going to bring some level of balance. But that's not even the goal. The goal is what can your nervous system handle before it breaks. And that, that if we can get the nervous system to handle more and more, you're going to have great expressions. You're going to have whatever you're going for. Oh, I can touch my toes now, or my knee doesn't hurt as much, or it's gone. Or wow, when I play hoops, I'm you know, I can play an extra game. I'm not fatigued, or I can jump higher. Like that's not, that's all the expression. That's all. All that downstream stuff is going to get taken care of if you can address right. the headwater issues. Yeah, so. yeah. So I mean, so clearly, I mean, square can be integrated. I mean, at all levels. I mean, is this, you know, oh, yeah. for you know, a trainer, strength coach, you know, PT. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah. You're, you train all of them. Yeah, but I think the I'd say the biggest limitation the square one is that it is a one-on-one situation. So that would be. You know, we have some different products we put out there, like kind of square one inspired, um, you know, warm up type ideas. But really, the limitation is it's kind of a one on one. Or if you had a small group of maybe three or four athletes, you could set up like uh, stations, like maybe they're 
doing a deadlift and a sled pull and whatever your program is. And then on the breaks, you can park yourself there and assess an athlete, clear mm-hmm. a layer or two in between rounds. But for the most part, it's very much a one-on-one one situation. Okay. That would be so, the biggest cut against it, actually. Okay. Um, so now how uh, how would somebody get started with you? Somebody listening to this, how, how do they get started? What do they need to do? Uh, there's different options. It depends on how much, you know, how bought in they are. It's like, hey, I've heard this. I've seen some guys do it. I, I really want to do this, and I'm ready to go. Then the, then the recommendation would be to do our level one course first, our workshop. And then within that, you also get like three online workshops or uh, courses. So you get our signal six, you get a science of square one, which is basically neurology condensed into about an hour. And then you also get the self reset. So that would be our, that would be the first, uh, first recommendation. And then um, if you're feeling brave, usually when we do these workshops, we do one on a Saturday and level two on a Sunday. If you're brave, you could do one and two back to back. Uh, and that will give you the whole framework, all the procedural steps, the muscle testing. In level one, we go over the vestibular intervention or reset. And level two, we go over all the joint action maps and, uh, and then the isometric intervention there. Um, if someone's like, hey, this sounds kind of cool, but it's the first time I heard about it. I'm not, I don't want to invest a whole lot of money. Uh, I guess my recommendation would probably be you could – well, first of all, to make it free is uh, just follow us on Instagram. And there's lots of stuff there, and you'll learn as you go. And I'm pretty responsive mm-hmm. to people's questions. Uh, but if they're like, oh, I want to buy a product, I think I would probably start people off with um, most people, I'd probably say 6'6", uh, because there's no muscle testing. There's no assessment. It's just some uh, square one inspired ideas that you can integrate into a warm-up. Uh, a lot of people really like it. It's not, a, it's not super heady, so it's, it's really it's hard to mess it up. I mean, there's no wrong way of doing it. Um, we're going to have a product out. Um, I don't know. I, I thought I'd have it out by September. Now here we are in almost November. Um, it's going to be, it's kind of like Sig Six, uh, uh, really ramped up in that it's going to be, um, there's going to be no neural response testing, but what we're going to use as the assessment is that kind of like this moral reflex where there's this like, mm-hmm. you kind of put the brakes on like, a, like in balance challenge positions. So we're going to have this product where you put people in these different balance challenges and when it fails or where it elicits that moral response, then we have different ways to, to reset it. One would be like a, like a tragus reset, a little part of your ear where you rub that. That's a, that's a reset you could use. So we're going to build a product that's, um, that, that's going to be the one I'm going to recommend in the future, like in three months or six months, wherever that comes out. But right okay. now, 6-6 six, six are free. It just falls on Instagram. That would be the best place to learn okay. you know, casually at this point. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, of course, you said it earlier. Um, obviously, I, I don't know if Sean's announced it or anything. I mean, but I guess we're safe to announce it now because we're talking about it. But you're coming down to Birmingham, right? Yep. Can't wait. Chris invited us down. So yes. I think it's the first yes. weekend in December. I feel like yeah, third or fourth, fifth or sixth. Six, so so somewhere in there. It's that first Saturday, first Sunday in, uh, yeah. in December. The first That's Saturday, correct. Sunday. Yep, yep. So I'm pumped about that. Yep. Where's and that information? Uh, it's, it's not up yet. My intern is probably going to have it out. Could be two days, could be ten days, but he, I got a trip coming up to Europe. I said, hey, I'm gonna get the Europe stuff taken care of. But if we can get the links up to Birmingham before I leave, that would be good. And I'm leaving like in ten days or eleven days. Now, what like level course is this in Birmingham? We're gonna have level one and level two. And like you said, you had just said earlier, you people if they want to just dip their toes, level one. Um, again, it's you know it's a one day live workshop. I'm coming down. If we have enough people, I'll probably bring an assistant or two. Uh, you get the three online courses and. If, if that's all someone ever does with us, uh, you can thank me later, but it's, it's awesome. It'll, it'll transform how most people are working with their clients and that the, the, the reset or the intervention is so easy. So it's really, I get excited about it is we now have people like, uh, they go home the night of day one and like, I just took my wife out of back pain. She's had for three years. We had like, it's crazy. So we had a guy up in Massachusetts a couple weeks ago. He was there at our level one and level two Saturday, Sunday in Massachusetts on Tuesday. He sent me a, a video uh, one of his co-workers. It looks like he works with a lot of athletes. I think this guy's more of a baseball facility. The guy blew out his triceps. So it was oh, I saw that. Blue, so yeah, it was a grade yeah. two tear and his lat. Yeah, and he couldn't, he couldn't straighten his arm. So he did a level one that was just head position and sniffs along with our steps. And like on Tuesday, this guy could straighten his arm. He could actually do it with load, and he could actually throw a ball, and he could fully extend. It was like, okay, that's nice. awesome. So level one makes a person pretty freaking dangerous. And then the, the advantage of level two is that that's where all the joint actions come in. So what sucks about that is 
you won't be good at that on Monday. That, that'll take, you know, five Mondays or ten Mondays before you're pretty good at it. But the value in having that, that neuromechanical map is it really lets you know, like, you know, anatomically, I was just about ready to say geographically, but anatomically where on the body the issue really is from a proprioceptive standpoint. So that can help um, inform your decisions on how to select triggers that are more customized to the individual. But truth be told, level one, level two, they both produce the exact same effect on the body. Um, and so, yeah, so people can buy, I think level one is, I think it's 749, 750, something like that. And level two, if you bought them independently, it's 550. And you gotta do one before you do two. Uh, and I think when you buy them both together, I think it's like 1150 or something, 11 a quarter, 1150, something like that. You only get 10% discount. Okay. So, cool. Yeah. All right. So where, uh, so where can, uh, people find you, man? I mean, I know you said Instagram, what's your handle and yep, so, uh, everything else. Share, share where people find you. Yeah. I definitely say Instagram and it's at square one, the number, not O N E, but the numerical one system. So square one system. And then from there, there's links right in my bio to get to our website. And the website sucks because I'm I'm the chief to cook and the bottle washer. You know, so I'm a, I'm a web developer, I'm a hacker. I'm, it's it's terrible. So if you go there, like yeah, I'm the idiot to put it together. But uh, Instagram's my least embarrassing place to follow us, I would say. But it's, it's really, that's where we're most active, and we're trying to share successes and some thoughts and some ideas and sometimes little nuggets here and here that you could use. But uh, and then uh, that that definitely uh, that's I'm gonna just leave it at Instagram. Right. Is definitely the best place to interact with us. All right, cool, cool, and uh, yeah, uh, Chris, tell everybody where right, where everybody is. can find you because I can <laughs> anyway, never remember. A lot of underscores. It is fast <laughs> underscore and underscore agile underscore four nine, fast and agile forty nine underscores in between everything. Cool, <laughs> cool, Sean, dude, this yeah. was a lot of fun, bro. We we got to do this again. Yeah, this man. is really good. I, it's, it's so fun talking with guys like you. They're so open-minded because it was so funny, man. Early in my career, you know, I was like pulling teeth to get people even to have and converse. So I'm grateful oh, for you guys, what you're doing. And uh, you, this yeah. is awesome, man. So I'm so grateful for yeah. you guys. Thank you. Cool. Well, I appreciate that, man. You, you got you got a great system and you got a really good thing going on. So I'm, I'm hopeful I can make it down there in Birmingham. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, but I'm definitely going to try to get down there. If I can't, one way or the other, we definitely got to do this again. And, you know, want to follow up and, and uh, you know, just keep uh, keep learning a little bit more and, so, yeah, guys, uh, go go follow Sean. Take a look at uh, Chris as well. And you guys know where you can find us. You can find us at Elite Level Performance. Uh, we're everywhere. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at Elite Level Performance. You guys got questions, um, you can uh, comment on the YouTube uh, post or uh, mail them in to uh, info at EliteLevelPerformance.com. And, uh, yeah, that is the show for today. So, uh, remember, guys, go share the show, please. Uh, appreciate yes. you all for watching. Sean, Thank brother, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, right. well, yeah, we will all uh, talk soon. <laughs>